Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. Hope you're well. Probably better than you were this time last week when we were all suffering from the unpalatable fare served to us uh, in the Champions League against Monaco. A game which reminded me of the time not long after I moved to Spain where we went out for dinner and I think I had some prawns that, that weren't particularly good and I think I also, on top of that, ate a yogurt which wasn't particularly good either. That, my friends, is a lethal combination. But I can advise anybody who is trying to lose weight that if you can stomach that, that's the right phrase, it's a guaranteed surefire way to lose about a stone and a half in three days. May not be the most pleasant way of losing weight, but it's quick. None of that exercise or anything like that involved. But anyway, that was last week. This week, we're coming into the podcast on the back of two wins. One against Everton, obviously, and then we won against Queen's Park Rangers during the week. And this season, we've beaten Queen's Park Rangers twice. We've beaten them 2-1 twice. And both times, it's been much more difficult than it should have been based on the the relative quality of the two sides. And I guess that's part of uh, football. But in the first game, obviously, we had that red card for Olivier Giroud. But the game against uh, against Queen's Park Rangers the other night, you know, 2-0 up, cruising, and then we let in a goal, which makes the end of the game a little bit more difficult than it should have been. And why we can't do things just the easy way for once, or even twice, Maybe if they could do the easy thing four or five times in a row, we might get into the habit of doing that rather than this habit we have of doing the difficult thing more often than not. But look, we we saw the game out. Queen's Park Rangers, I think we're a bit lucky to stay uh, with 10 men on the pitch. Carl Henry should have been sent off for a very, very obvious foul uh, on Mesut Ozil. Like, blindingly obvious. When a guy's running through on goal and he's about to tap the ball in, All of a sudden, he lurches backwards and up into the air. What could have happened to him? What could it be? Could it be the man standing behind him with a great big handful of his bright yellow shirt, perhaps? Do you need a qualification in refereeing to figure that one out? Neither the referee or his lines person saw that? And you're just kind of there looking at it going, for fuck's sake, referee. Fucking hell. Incidentally, we apologize for any... Language that may have offended that you might have heard in the background. What I do like, though, of course, is the fact that um, we won the game, which means that you can complain about the referee with absolute impunity. Because if you don't win the game and you say anything about the referee, even if you say, now I'm not saying we lost because of the referee, people say, oh, stop complaining about the referees. For goodness sake, it's all to do with how terrible we are and how terrible everything is and we're bad at football and we can't play football and we're not good at football and nobody is anything to do with football that's in any way good. But when you win, you can absolutely have a bitch about the uh, officiating and it's not just Arsenal, let's face it even though it has been rather negatively affecting us. For example, Anthony Taylor in the game against um, Newcastle didn't give Newcastle a clear penalty. I mean, it was even more obvious than the, the penalty that Ozil should have had. Um, and of course, Manchester United then score a late winner, which keeps them right in the mix, rather than dropping two points or even three points had they gone behind. Across the board, the officiating has been ridiculous this season. Um, And I do wonder 
and worry a little bit that it might catch up with us sooner or later. Of course, there's a big FA Cup game on Monday. Would it surprise any of you if we were on the uh, wrong end of, of a refereeing decision that ultimately proved costly? Now, of course, it could be down to the way we play or many other things, but, you know, can't help but worry about these uh, these referees. But look, it was a, a very good three points because, obviously, uh, Man United won, Liverpool won, Tottenham won, Man City won, Chelsea won, and I think Southampton won as well. Well, they won the other night. I don't know. So it's all very tight there in that group near the uh, near the top of the table. Um, I know we touched on the Everton game in the Arscast Extra on Monday with James, but uh, the co-commentary thing that went on, obviously, if you've been reading the blog during the week, you will you will have seen the video that was on the uh, the Men in Blazers TV show. They do a podcast. They also do a TV show for NBC Sports. Uh, but they showed a compilation of some of the best bits, of course, without the, the swearing in it, which has to be said, were, were the very best bits, the ones with the with the swearing in it, like this one. That wouldn't be your sole ambition, would it? People like Alexis Sanchez. <clears throat> which, of course, which led to this. Apologies once again if you've heard any inappropriate language from behind us here at the Emirates Stadium, which may be offensive. And for once, the if-you-found-it-offensive thing actually works. You know when somebody in the public eye says something that they really shouldn't, whether it's um, sexist or racist, misogynistic, something like that, and what you always get is the old, uh, um, well, if anybody found that offensive, I'd like to apologize, rather than I'm sorry for what I said, but instead it's if you found it offensive, then, then I apologize to you. Not sorry for saying it. I'm just saying that if you were offended by it, then then I'm sorry. But in this case, it actually works in the context of a football game, I think. Because lots of people who were listening to that clearly wouldn't have been offended. The idea of somebody swearing at a sporting event is, well, I mean, it's par for the course. I remember being taken to Lansdowne Road by my father years and years ago, and Ireland were playing Spain. And I can't remember exactly what the score was or who won. I think Spain won. I don't really remember. I think Ashley Grimes might have scored for for Ireland that day, which will tell you how long ago it was. But we were sitting around a group of chaps whose language was, well, to me as a young boy, not only was it educational, I believe it was inspirational. It was so wonderfully flowery. It wasn't just your typical fuck this, fuck that, you're this, you're that. It was creative, proper, proper creative swearing. I think at one point my father was was sitting there with his uh, with his two hands over my ears so I might not hear it, but it was too late. The damage the damage was done and has been done. And I'd like to thank those guys. They're probably dead now or well into their 60s and 70s. But they had a a marked effect on this young man. I didn't realize you could put words together in those kind of combinations. So I'm hopeful that across the United States now, there are similarly influenced young men and women who are who are going to swear and swear well for the rest of their lives. It's like when I was a an English teacher working in Barcelona. I don't know where any of those kids are now. But I know, deep, deep down in my heart, I know this to be absolutely true, that there are young men who were teenagers back then who I taught through the medium of pro-evolution soccer. It's true. I'd bring in a PlayStation 2 and we would play, not every class, but every once in a while, we'd play pro-evolution soccer. And uh, we, we'd t- I'd teach them the language of football and stuff. So they can swear and they can say, you fucking cunt in an Irish accent, which must be hilarious. I hope they go around Barcelona doing that all the time. Makes me proud to think I've had such an effect. So there you go. Anyway, the job offers from broadcasting corporations have not come rolling in just yet, sadly. I'm still waiting. Phone's going to ring any moment, I'm sure. I can begin my new career as the most swearingest co-commentator of them all. Would probably work best in 
the live arena, live events rather than on television due to, you know, rules and people who have standards and watersheds and all that kind of stuff. But hey, I'm sure it'll happen. Anyway, um, we do have a big game on Monday in the FA Cup against Manchester United, uh, a team who have gone through or are going through a transitional period. Alex Ferguson left, they brought in David Moyes, and now they've got Louis van Gaal, a man whose head and neck look like an extended thumb. So uh, with me to talk a little bit about the Manchester United team that we're going to face, who have been struggling but picking up a lot of points, I'm joined by a Manchester United fan some of you may know from Twitter. Uh, you, you could call him Nas or at Bearded Genius. Welcome to the show. All right, Andy, how's it going? It's going all right. Um, big game coming up on Monday. Monday's a shit day for a, an FA Cup game, though, really, isn't it? Well, it's, yeah, it's especially shit for your lot, seeing mm. as you've got to you've got to come up here. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's a few uh, really funny Arsenal fans that will say it's shit for all our fans to come up to Manchester. But yeah, <laughs> I don't. I doubt anyone would be that derivative. I really, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 a bit crap. Um, I can't remember the last time United weren't on telly for the for the FA Cup. Uh, it's Fridays and Mondays at the moment, which is, yeah. uh, which is a little bit annoying. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you were at Cambridge last we time around. Well, look, tell us a little bit about Manchester United season because um, from the outside looking in, if you're just looking at where United are in the table after everything that happened last season with David Moyes not going as as well as people had hoped it would go, um, under Louis Van Gaal, things seem a little bit better, but it's far from convincing in terms of the football that you're playing. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think everyone, um, whether you're a whether you're a United fan or not, um, it's it's all a bit bemusing why we're still we're still up there. To be honest, because um, the football's not been great, um, and I mean, all United fans, we were quite realistic at the beginning of the season. Um, I know a lot is made of the money that was spent, um, and it was a lot of money, and a lot of big names came in, but we knew it would take time, and. Um, our goals were quite realistic for this season. It mm. was to finish in top four, top four, and at least see some sort of progress. Um, the thing that's slightly disconcerting about um, how things have gone is there doesn't seem to be any sort of gradual improvement right. um, or sort of direction to the team. Um, but yes, it, it just seems to be a case of where we're just grinding out results somehow, um, not playing well, seeming to be quite lucky, but then. It gets to a point that you kind of think it's hap- it's sort of continued continued all season, um, and we've continued to get these lucky wins and just about get past these these teams. And uh, with ten games to go, you kind of wonder whether there's some sort of logic that we can't see. And, <laughs> that this is exactly it's not by accident. Game. It's it's designed. This is the way that Van Hal yeah. uh, set his team out. I, I mean, I, I can kind of I can kind of see what he's trying to do. Um, I think I don't think this is how he'd like to play. Um, mm. I think he likes the possession. He likes possession football, but he'd like it to be more fluent and and, and faster. But um, he's kind of trying to do just enough to get into the top four. Um, but his method of doing it is to be quite conservative. Um, the concern I've got with that is I don't think conservative tends to work in this country. Mm. Um, I think uh, I think both Liverpool last season and this season and, and Arsenal have shown that uh, if you're not great at the back, but you've got attacking players and, and, and you and you do attack um, uh, in games, that that tends to be the best way to go about it. Um, and and if you if you focus on having a a quite a defensive uh, team and go for the one nils and two ones, it can. Uh, it can backfire, so yeah. uh, it's still a bit of concern, and uh, especially I know we're talking about I know I know we're meant to be talking about the FA Cup, but in, in terms of league, um, yeah. as a United fan, um, I, I, I think we should be most concerned out of out of Liverpool, um, Arsenal, and, and United simply because um, the other two teams have got that momentum or a level of momentum, and and United really haven't. It's funny because you look at the United squad and you think where where are you strong, and it's in attack in terms of the amount of players that you've got there and the quality of some of the players that you've got there. And at the back, 
you look at certain players and you wonder if they're good enough or if they're ready, you know, because there's some young guys that have been that have been brought into the side. So it seems an odd decision to play conservatively when your strengths lie further forward. Absolutely, but um, see, I think I think a lot of people get frustrated and, and sort of complain about the number of attackers we've got, and let, and and yet we're quite impotent up front and. And then talk about the sort of lack of quality defenders, and yet, sort of statistically, we're quite well. We're doing quite well at the back, but I mean, that fails to sort of appreciate the fact that the whole team has to play a certain way in order to protect the porous um, back Mm. four or five, and um, it just means that the whole team's having to play in quite a stilted, um, possession-focused way instead of being dynamic. And um, and basically pulling the thing United don't do this season, which is uh, which is evident in every single game, is we don't we don't pull defenders out of positions. So um, if a team is organised against us, they've got quite a good chance to do well against us because we, there's no pace, there's no real imagination in terms in terms of the passing. It's it's very slow and ponderous. Um, but well, you've um, just broken the heart of every Arsenal fan listening to this. <laughs> what about being organised? <laughs> Because <laughs> if you know if 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 there's a way of finding ourselves all over the place, we'll do it. Well, again, again, the funny thing about Arsenal v United is, um, Ars- the worse the worse United are playing, and and the sort of um, the weaker we look on paper, we tend to do better against you mm. for some for some strange reason. I, I don't know if it's because. Um, when when we are a weaker team, we've always tended to have um, less talented but more uh, combative players um, that have just um, ruffled your feathers a little bit. But yeah, it, yeah. it's so strange. You, you look at some of the some of the team sheets that have come up against uh, Arsenal and beaten them, um, and 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 on paper they're really really weak. So so who knows? But I mean, I'm not. I'm not especially confident going into the game on Monday. I was uh, going to ask you. I mean, based on what you've seen from from Arsenal this season, um, I think we're in a much better vein of form. We keep having these little runs of of good form for the last couple of months, and then there's a, a defeat in there that just saps the life out of everything. So, you know, you, we do well, and then we lose to Southampton. We do well again, we lose to Tottenham. We do well again, we lose to to Monaco. And I think this is a game that a lot of Arsenal fans have uh, a bit of trepidation about because of the record um, that that we have against you lot um, over the last couple of years. It really hasn't been good. I think the last time we won was when Aaron Ramsey scored a goal at our place, and that was that was a good number of years ago. Um, but are, are, are United fans actually concerned about this Arsenal team? Yeah, I think, I think there's every reason to be concerned about it, um, just because you've got quality players. But um, I think, I think, like you say, the only sort of uh, positive on that is uh, that Arsenal always have a defeat in them. <laughs> uh, it's almost like uh, the better they're playing, the more likely... Sort of uh, a surprise uh, um, loss is it's um, it's one of it's, it is, it's one of those sort of stereotypical things of, of Arsenal could be their own worst enemy. Um, mm. But but if, if if you look at both teams and how we set up and how we play, um, really um, I'd suggest, especially on form, um, Arsenal are probably favourites. Um, and, and I take no no pleasure in that because I, when I, I tend to be. Although, although I'm probably a bit of a natural pessimist about United, I uh, I do tend to be quite bullish for these big games just because mm. because United, United tend to do well in big games. But um, yeah, it's just at the moment um, the best with the. I mean, I mean, for instance, in the last game, Van Hal descri- I think Van Hal described it as uh, our best performance of the season against Newcastle. And so, <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes I'm not sure what is what he actually thinks and what is him communicating himself in not the best way because he can't have thought that I was the best um, performance of the season. I think what he was, I think what he was suggesting was in terms of um, possession mm. and, in, and, and in terms of dominating the play to the extent that we had the, we had the ball and we had that level of control, but in terms of any sort of penetration and doing much with the ball, um, 
there wasn't much of that at all. Is so. there pressure on him to to win something this season? Because I think for Arsene Wenger, the the game on Monday takes a big significance because the 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 top four finish is now an expectation, and certainly after last season, and certainly with the money that Arsenal spent in the summer, there's an expectation that Arsenal, at the very least, would finish top four. But obviously, having won the FA Cup last season and broken that that trophy duck, um, you know it's it's there again that this almost feels like a season ender for Arsenal in terms of what people would perceive as, as genuine success. Is that the same for Van Hal or is the top four the be all and end all? Um, I think it's different for Van Hal. Um, it's, it's important to the extent that because we're not doing great, um, this will add a loss would add, add um, more pressure onto him and, uh, and uh, the naysayers would come out and, and, and there'd be more, more people sort of are questioning him, but yeah. um, but that's more in terms of the context of, of of how we're doing in terms of form, in terms of winning the FA Cup. Um, he, there's not that pressure on him. He's quite lucky in that respect. It, it's more a case of most United fans. The aim is is to get into that top four and then take it from there. Because, um, and I don't mean this disrespect disrespectfully about um, Arsenal, mm. um, but there's certainly. I, I, you get a sense within the club there's almost been a sense of top four it has sometimes been enough um and that's sort of permeated through the through the players where i don't think the fans have felt like that but mm. that's that's a sense that that sort of uh that I, i've got from from outside now um united at united it's not a case of oh we're just happy with top four and that'll be fine we're kind of looking at it in terms of the bigger picture and and getting top four would allow us a it would allow us into the Champions League, obviously, but it was it would allow us um, to go for the caliber of player that that we want to go for to be back to where we are. Well, I mean, like spending sixty million on Di Maria. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a straight. It hasn't stopped you, really. <laughs> well, well, it's well, it, well, it's not. But then there's there's there's, uh, there's other factors involved, isn't there? Um, sure. One of the things you look at the sort of big names we've we've sort of bought over the summer and. Um, the feeling again amongst um, a lot of United fans is uh, a big part of that is getting into bed with uh, Jorge Mendes or, or, or um, however you pronounce his name. Um, yeah. he, he he sort of um, has uh, got quite chummy with Ed, uh, Edward Woodward um, and equalizer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and 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 basically what what he's done is um, there's, there's been a bit of to and fro's and and, ev- and everything's become a kind of interlinked web of sort of transfer negotiations. So you've got you've got Di Maria who was brought in, you've mm. got you've got um, Falcao who's been brought in on loan, and the sort of strong sort of suggestion from uh, Mendes has been almost as if. The, the the Falcao sort of negotiations could impact on the De Gea negotiations. Who's also a Mendes client, so it's it's all it's all a, it's all a Mendes sort of a, um, designed web. And it's it, I don't think I don't think um, Van Hal is fully uh, into that, yeah. and I don't think he appreciates that. Mm. But um, but yeah, so, so so that might be part of the reason why we why we've managed to get these these big names in, but. Um, but realistically, um, I think I think if we're going to sort of uh, push on, and 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 we're, we're going to get all the players that we we want, um, top four really is is a priority. Otherwise, it just be, um, next season just becomes exactly the same as this season, yeah. and there's no progress, and and it's a season wasted. So, and 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 that's that's ne- that's never sat well amongst United fans. Um, so yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. You know, you can you can give this one a swerve on Monday. I think you know you don't need to take it too seriously. <laughs> so you, you you guys concentrate on top four, and <laughs> we'll see what happens. Listen, thanks a million for your time, and um, well, obviously, may the best man win, and and that's clearly me. But we're, I I do appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks very much indeed to Noz. You can follow him on Twitter at Bearded Genius at Bearded Genius, and despite his his terrible taste in football teams, he is a very good follow indeed on Twitter, and I heartily recommend it now we're going to take a break no we're not actually going to take a break uh, i was mixing up my arse casts that's the arse cast extra uh, we don't do breaks on this 
Well, not very often. And we're certainly not doing one now. We're just going to continue the discussion, but from a more Arsenal-centric point of view. A couple of guests to join me now. First up, it's James from wearethenorthbank.com. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? And Andrew Allen. Hello. Hi there. Andrew, let me start with you. Um, Since the Monaco game, Arsenal have played 2-1-2. Not hugely convincing um, in in either game, really, uh, probably better spells against Queens Park Rangers than against Everton. But I mean, is that to be expected for a team that keeps tripping itself up in a spell of reasonably good form overall? I think Arsenal have won twelve of their last sixteen games, but these little defeats in the middle of all those seem to seem to uh, cause us problems. Yeah, I think Arsene described the the win over Everton as a kind of back-to-basics victory. And I think sometimes that's exactly what we need to do after a defeat. It's, you know, you always look at Arsenal and wonder whether confidence is a little fragile at times. And it's it's actually very, very good to see us winning two games on the bounce out of what was a pretty traumatic evening against Monaco. Um, I think... As you said, I mean the QPR performance was was certainly in the second half a, a, a much uh, better representation of the type of football we play. Um, Everton, I mean, we were kind of stimmied by the fact that Everton weren't particularly adventurous themselves, and it was two very nervous-looking teams trying to you know sort of spar without wanting to hurt each other. Um, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. But uh, no, I, I, th- I thought particularly in the second half against QPR, it was there were real positive signs, but it was also very typical of us to sort of, as we did against Crystal Palace a couple mm. of weeks ago, kind of concede and then make things much more difficult um, going into the final minutes. But, you know, you can't complain. Two wins out of two off mm. the back of a bad night and obviously Giroud scoring twice. So, James, I mean, is that what we should be focusing on completely, uh, the results? Or is there room to look at the performances and how those results are coming about? I think at this stage of the season, it's just all about um, getting the results, no matter what the performance is like. Obviously, um, as, as fans and paying punters, we'd want to watch uh, um, the brand of football that we're used to. It was pretty dire against Everton. Um, but as Andrew said, um, it was six points out of six after that horrific um, night against Monaco. You can't really argue at this stage of the season where games come coming thick and fast. And to be honest, the teams in and amongst us are on uh, uh, great runs of form themselves. So mm. um, no complaints for me. Right. Well, I mean, sticking with you, I mean, that's, that's a, a big point because midweek the pressure was on because... Um, well, pressure was on anyway, but look, when, when United win, when Liverpool win, when uh, Man City win, when, the, you know, Southampton win, and uh, I know there's one, oh yeah, for Tottenham, I'm forgetting Tottenham, but imagine, <laughs> uh, you know, but when they win, it, it really is a very, very tight race for the top four, and it was funny today, um, I saw somebody talking about the final 10 league games of the season, and I thought, fucking hell, it's whiz by, but we're really coming into mm. the business end of things now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I sent a tweet a couple of weeks ago, um, had a spare moment during the day and um, just chuck the fixtures down into a really crap um, spreadsheet caption, probably the worst thing you've seen on the internet all year. But it had um, all of the fixtures and at the time I, I tweeted that I have no doubts about finishing fourth because 
um, you know, at the time we we, had, we were only team in the hunt with seven home games, and that that now is dropped to five home games. Um, Southampton and Spurs have only got um, oh sorry, and Liverpool have only got four home games left. Um, so to me, that's a huge advantage at this stage of proceedings. Um, that said, two of our home games are against Liverpool and Chelsea, so yeah. absolutely huge games um, all to play for. Um, despite not kind of um, playing free-flowing football, which is immensely frustrating, um, we're still picking up the points in the league. Um, so can't really argue. All right, uh, Andrew Macedozel. Um, is a player that still continues to divide opinion among Arsenal fans. And, uh, you know, we see the comments on, on Arsenal News pretty much every time there's anything to do to do with him. Um, regardless yeah. of what, what is produced to back up or to counter claims that he's lazy or he, he doesn't care, uh, you know, he's run further than, I don't know, everybody in the world since he's come <laughs> back from injury. You know, he covers the most ground. Apparently, this means nothing at all. Um, is he always going to be one of those players? I mean, I love watching him. I, I, I get frustrated from time to time because I do feel he could be a bit stronger and a bit more influential but when he does some of the stuff that he does and uh, there were a couple of examples against Southampton he's just absolutely fabulous to watch yeah I mean as you I think you picked up in today's blog I mean there was a moment last night when he just kind of controlled the ball drifted past the player like he wasn't there and made a Mm. fantastic pass but I think without wanting to be rude to the general football fan you have to be a bit of a connoisseur of that type of kind of you know decision making on the pitch to kind of weigh that against a Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi who's banging in goals I don't think there are many players who have you know had 42 and a half million pounds spent on them and a lot of that money is being spent on a player who is there to make other players look very good Um, and I think that's kind of what Ozil does Mm. Um, he's a very I mean look we've talked about it before he's a quiet influence he's not a guy who's necessarily going to take the game by the scruff of the neck he's not going to charge around take on five players he probably won't score you the winner in consecutive games or anything like that but when you watch him regularly and you appreciate just some of the smaller things he does you recognise the quality that he brings to the team now don't get me wrong I would love every player on Arsenal's team to hear about, like, Alexis Sanchez, you know. But the fact is, Alexis Sanchez is a £32 million player himself, and he does what he does in a very unique way. There aren't actually many players in world football who do what he does, and I think it's very odd for... You've got a kind of chalk-and-cheese attitude towards football, and it's a a very um, personal way that they tackle the games. But in each case, there is qualities that they bring, and... You know, sometimes they're going to hit it off. Sometimes they aren't going to hit it off. One of them's going to look great. The other one's not going to look so great in comparison. But, you know, would I rather have Mesut Ozil in my team than not? Obviously. I mean, mm. I think he's fantastic. James, your thoughts on that? I mean, is it a case that people are looking at what Alexis does? Uh, and I think on a very basic level, people really enjoy watching a guy who is full-blooded, wholehearted, works for the team, um, tries to make up for the mistakes that he makes, is always trying to make something happen. But if you had every single player in your team playing that way, I think they call that under-10s football, right? <laughs> yeah, headless, headless chickens football. Um, I love Erzul. I think he's a, a great player. And if you were to canvas anyone who's ever played with him, he, he's that sort of footballer that, they, that not a bad word will be spoken about him because he's the sort of player that makes others perform um, you know, especially on, on the higher stage. And I think he's coming for a hell of a lot of um, unfair criticism. That said, he is infuriating at times. I think what what gets to me is the mannerisms and, and the way that he kind of reacts if something doesn't go for him. Like if he gets shoved off the ball and doesn't get the free kick, he kind of throws his arms up in the air and, and mopes. Whereas you, you kind of, I would prefer him to just concentrate on trying to win the ball back. Um, that's the only real criticism I have, except for um, maybe adding more goals to his game. But if you if you just look at the assists that um, 
that he's made, he's he, you know, he's recorded for Arsenal in in a short space of time already. Um, it's been phenomenal, especially given um, a completely different uh, league coming straight in. Um, you know, a busier summer than anyone else, I'd say, in the World Cup. Um, no rest, coming in, getting injured, coming straight back into the team, um, and not not really given being given uh, much of a rest by Wenger, just being played um, constantly since coming back from the knee injury. Um, and I just think the the criticism is uh, most of it um, stirred up by the media is um, is is literally just just because it's it's easy. I mean, he's an easy target, isn't he, with the price tag? Um, but I totally agree with Andrew. He's he's um, he's one for the purists. But um, if you just watch him throughout a game, um, you, you'll see a lot more to his game than perhaps um, what, you'd, what you'd see if you just track the ball. Mm. He, um, yeah, I think he's still going to, uh, got some way to go to convince some people. But, you know, um, mm. I think maybe the price tag is is an issue for people but you know I think when we spent that money on him I don't remember anybody being too unhappy um, about about that money being spent Um, and I don't think that the return we've got is necessarily bad value for that money either in in the current market anyway look I'll stick with you James because somebody who hasn't played a great deal recently is Theo Walcott Mm. it's been noticeable that he hasn't been played didn't get on against Everton uh, hasn't been picked for away games. Do you feel like there's something going on there with Theo Walcott that perhaps we don't know about? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I literally just think it's because of the length of the layoff um, and the need to um, take baby steps with him. Um, also, I think the nature of the last two games um, in particular have been that we haven't really been in a position to bring him off the bench Um, so uh, I don't read anything into it Um, I think he probably will start on Monday night Um, that said um, it's always a bit of a gamble with Theo away from home in the big games because he he just doesn't offer you as much protection off the ball as for example a Welbeck Um, but but, uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start against United Andrew, your your thoughts on Theo at the moment? Um, well, I mean, where is he really? I mean, I guess that's that's my initial thought because we obviously don't depend on him in the same way that we have done in the past. I mean, if you put this before his injury, Theo would have been first name on the team sheet kind of material. And our squad has developed as a whole to the point where We've got someone like Danny Welbeck who, if we need someone on the right, or even Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, a couple of guys there who can provide mm. pace, width, but probably a bit more in the way of tracking back. And when it comes to options in the centre of the park, I mean, I'd say you're probably looking at a hierarchy of, obviously, Giroud first, Alexis, and then maybe Theo after that. The fact is, since Theo came back from injury, a couple of goals aside, I don't personally, having grown infuriated with him in a couple of games feel that he is I think he's he's taking the fact that he's come back from injury as a kind of a stepping he's treating every game like a stepping stone and I don't think in Premier League football you can really afford to sort of take your time and feel your way back into things and I think Arsenal has kind of looked at him and think like you know come on mate where, where where's the performance and I just don't think he's doing enough in games hmm. do I think uh and I don't know whether I'm I'm reading too much into this, but I mean, I look back at what Wenger did to Theo when contract negotiations opened last time and, and Arsene brazenly left him on the bench and Theo made a point of coming off the bench and scoring goals and got the contract he wanted. He was in a much stronger position at the time. I think Arsene, whether he's doing it deliberately or not, is certainly in a position where he can afford to leave Walcott on the bench at the moment. And I think unless there are any injuries and that's it, you know, to the, to the guys who are currently up front at the moment, I don't actually expect Theo to necessarily start games. Hmm. It's an interesting situation. And um, just as we're talking, something is broken. So I want to, I want to run this by you. Um, Papis Cisse has been given a seven game ban for, for spitting during the game against Manchester United. Um, Johnny Evans, was surprised to wake up apparently after such a terrible, a terrible incident. How how do we get our head around um, this kind of arbitrary 
ridiculousness when it comes to banning players. That why are they so keen to cut out things like spitting or 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 put things like spitting on a on a much higher scale than actual violence or um, tackles which result in serious injury to a player, James. I always um, remember an incident with uh, Essien playing for Chelsea years ago, probably about six or seven years ago, where he nearly broke a player's leg. Um, and there was a lot of hoo-ha made about it. Um, in the Premier League, uh, to me, uh, that's the first kind of high prevalence and I can remember the Premier League commenting on and saying they don't do retrospective um, you know, video review to take action against players. Um, and I know that's been a Premier League rule for a long time um but to me it's just it's just ridiculous we know that the pace of the game has never been quicker we know it's never been so difficult to referee games um we have the technology there there's you know 25 plus cameras in every single ground at every game Mm. why we don't use it especially for leg breaking tackles coward tackles that we we've seen so many times and you see you see quite often um you know why they don't use it for that is is just beyond me um I, t- to be honest i think spitting is disgusting in the game again it's just a cowardly act it's um you know obviously for young kids watching this it's really not a good thing to to kind of see um their kind of um the players they look up to do doing that and behaving in that way um but I totally agree with you in in the sense that why they don't take the same sort of process for um, particularly um, career threatening um, tackles I, is beyond me. Mm. It, it baffles me. I mean, it's you know the spitting is uh, it's not nice, of course, but the lasting damage of it is well, there isn't any. Yeah, you know, yeah. unless you pick up a bit of a cold or <laughs> something like that, uh, you you can wipe it off. But try wipe off a a broken leg, and of course. John Terry, who allegedly um, referred to Anton Ferdinand as a fucking black cunt, mm. got four games. So, Andrew, you know, it just raises more questions about the um, about the processes in the FA and the things that they're prepared to deal with uh, in a real way. I mean, to be honest, I mean, as bad as spitting is, and it's a, it's a horrible thing to do to another human being. Um, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I think is the only word I can use to see that someone's been given a seven-game ban mm. for what actually, in Cisse's case, a man who's admitted wrong, and it was an act of retribution, having been spat on by a guy who is denying the fact that he spat on someone. Yeah, I mean that's it's 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 mad. I mean I can only assume that Johnny Evans is going to get a as long a ban, if not worse, because the fact is the guy started it. And he also denied it. Yeah. And it's on camera. So as far as I'm concerned, they should be throwing the book at it. But if they do, offering more than seven games, you then start to put things in context. Suarez got an eight-match ban for racist uh, racism uh, against Evra, and then a ten-match ban for, for biting. Now, obviously, those are two things completely outside of the whole leg-breaking tackle argument. But... I, I just I can't for one moment. I mean, obviously it's a nasty thing to do, but that's it's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Yeah. I think I mean, he's it, got an extra game, hasn't he? Because he got a ban before okay. um, for well, the elbow, I think, on on Shane Long. Right. Well, I mean, so it would, it would have been just six, six games, just the six games. I mean, I mean, it's all rather arbitrary at the end of the day, isn't it? I mean, you know, punishing someone for spitting, you can give them a ten game ban, twenty game, you know, whatever. But it's it just seems strange that. The biggest problem in the game is, is 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 violent challenges, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you only have to look at Hutton's challenge the other day yeah. in the Villa game, and you know that guy got a booking. And because the referee's seen it, am I right in thinking that he won't get anything more? Yeah, correct. Yeah, but that's absolute madness. Absolutely mad. I, I mean, I genuinely, I'm I'm almost lost for words. Mm. It's just, but when you put it in the context of everything else, if you were to say to somebody, six game ban for spitting, but when you put it against some of the other bans that have gone out, like if, if spitting is six games, then racism should be 20 games or 25 games or a season. It, it just doesn't make any sense on any level. 
No. All right. Okay, very quickly, uh, James, Monday night against Manchester United. We haven't won against them since 2011. That was at home when Aaron Ramsey scored. And if I'm right, I think the last time we beat them at Old Trafford was was it Adi Bayor who scored the goal? God, that's a long time ago. That, that was, is a long time ago. That was yeah. 2006. Now, I could be wrong, mm. but I don't think so. Um, what are your thoughts ahead of this game? How much of our season rests on what happens on Monday night? I think it, it all does now. I mean, we're, we're writing off Monaco, aren't we? Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, and we are so due getting one over on them. Um, the game earlier in the season was just about one of the most frustrating experiences I've had in a football ground. I mean, we mm. we outplayed them for the majority of the game and, well, it was just typical Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, I, I'm quietly confident that we'll get a draw and bring them back um, and, and, and beat them in a replay, hopefully. Um, but, you know, this is Arsenal. <laughs> Anything can happen. Uh, it just seems against... Um, Especially against United in the in the last sort of five, six, seven, eight seasons, they've really got our number. Um, mm. uh, they're not playing very well, but Van Al has somehow um, call it luck or, or whatever. He's got a knack for for winning games. Um, uh, I'm just hoping that, that that we really up our game because I don't think, um, although the second half last night was we looked a lot more like ourselves. The last two games, um, if if we turn in a performance like that against them at Old Trafford, um, even on the kind of form they're they're in, they've got enough big game players to to destroy us. I think, mm. yeah. um, but I'm I'm confident that won't happen. Andrew, is it? Um, are we weighed down by the weight of recent form against Manchester United, or is it time for us to put that in the past? I, I definitely think that there's something of a mental block, and it seems strange to even suggest it, given that you know the team has changed immeasurably since, well, let's say 2006 since we we last won there. But I mean, it just the team has changed a lot recently mm. in the last four or five years, and the same problems seem to occur and. You know, I think in a in a weird wave of optimism uh, prior to the Monaco game, I looked at that United fixture and I thought, we can go there, we can turn them over. But <laughs> the Monaco game kind of reminded me that at any given moment, we can kind of completely self-destruct. And I think if there's something that I, th- I think is incredibly important in that game is that we don't concede first. Mm. Um, I think if we could get a goal, I think a draw is a, a perfectly acceptable result and, and get them back to the Emirates. Um they're, they're, they'll be missing a, c- a couple of guys. I guess uh, Van Persie's going to be out, and presumably Johnny Evans will now not be playing against us if he's, you know, gobbed all over, you know, Cisse. So, um, I, I, I really wish I could. I, I wish I could be optimistic about it, but it's Manchester United. It's Old Trafford. I think in the thirty odd years I've been supporting Arsenal. Um, we've only won a handful of times. We've only scored two goals in one well, one game in the Premier League there since the Premier League's been in existence. Um, and then there was the 2-0 in the FA Cup um, in 2003, 2003. But really, we just, we just never deliver up there. It's so frustrating because there have been games we put in good performances and not got anything out. There have been games when we've been done over by referees, like the one that ended our unbeaten run. Um, and there have been games that we've just sat like rabbits in the headlight, like that ridiculous 8-2 and the 6-1 and the 4-0 in the FA Cup a few years ago. So who knows? I'd love to think that this team has got it in them to go up there and get a result, and maybe they will, but I I think a draw would be good for me. So, yeah, well, basically what you're saying, the law of averages is on our side. <laughs> yes, I'm an eternal optimist, and definitely. All right. Okay, well, look, we'll keep fingers crossed for that. I think we could do without a replay, to be perfectly honest, uh, particularly as we've got uh, United at home, don't we? In the Oh, have we got to go to Old Trafford, or, or do we go? Uh, do we have them at home in the uh, league? We're, we're heading up to them because they've already dicked on us at home. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Anyway, okay, well, look, um, yeah, I could do without a replay, so we'll just, we'll just do them on Monday. That would be good. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. And James from WeAreTheNorthBank.com, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Cheers.
You can give both those gentlemen a follow on Twitter. Andrew Allen is at A. Allen Sport, at A. Allen Sport. And James, you can find at We Are The North Bank, at We Are The North Bank, and at WeAreTheNorthBank.com. So follow and read and, and do all those things. Um, right, well, FA Cup action on Monday. We've discussed it for the most part with the chaps there. I don't know what to expect. Anything could happen. Anything probably will. Whether it's good anything or bad anything, your guess is as, is as good as mine. We've got two games now against Manchester United at Old Trafford, having won one of those games in the last whatever amount of years, since 2006, the Addy Bayor goal. That's nine years. It's a big task for us to go and win there twice. Now, we don't have to win twice, but obviously, if we want to get through to the next round of the FA Cup, we've got to beat United either in the in the game on Monday or in a replay. And then, of course, in the league game, and because everything's so tight, I mean, the very least that we need to get from, from that game at Old Trafford is a draw. So, you know, we're going to have to pull it out of the bag a bit here at Old Trafford over the next few weeks. Fingers crossed we can do that. We don't have any team news as yet. Uh, for the game on Monday, but obviously we've got the whole weekend to sit and stew and worry about that game because it's on on a stupid Monday night, uh, which is a stupid time to have an FA Cup game. I know we've kind of got used to uh, to league football on a Monday night, but even then, I don't like Monday night games of football. You know, it's the start of the week, not the end of the weekend, and that's how it feels. It kind of messes with my body clock. But, um, look, let's keep fingers crossed then. We will have an Arscast Extra for you on Tuesday. It won't be on Monday because we want to do one uh, in which we react to whatever happens at Old Trafford on Monday night. Hopefully it's good stuff. Good, good, really good, happy, happy stuff. Let's, um, Let's keep our fingers crossed for that, shall we? So, until then, have yourselves a great football free weekend. Let's hope everyone that we need to lose loses over the course of the uh, over the next couple of days and um, we'll we'll talk on Tuesday when hopefully we're into the next round of the, the what what's the next round is it the quarter what is it the is this the quarter final yes shit really is important now until the next time take it easy cheers bye bye Arsenal Football Club today announced that action would be taken against the fan whose shouting was picked up on the Pethe newsreel last weekend. He could be heard shouting, Match official, you're a confounded rascal. I question the legitimacy of your child and your anus. Chairman Sir Chips Keswick said, That cunt needs to shut his fucking mouth or I'll smash his bollocks in. The referee is being cared for by nuns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.